This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And uh, along with Charlie, yours truly, Franklin Proctor, uh, and the I'm... sous chef of the garden. What's the matter? You're not hearing me no, at all? I, get, I have music, but I don't have the, anything <laughs> happening. Are we on? So, yeah, we're, okay. we're on. We're it's on. It's my headphones, I guess. Oh, my goodness me. Okay. Well, uh, while Charlie races around <laughs> to find a pair of headphones that really work, how's that, Charlie? Is that mess much better? Okay. <laughs> uh, a nice way to kind of close out the year, is it not? Where we have uh, the host just <laughs> scrambling. That's okay. I'm back. Yeah, you're back. Okay. Well, let me do a no little scramble. bit of cover here uh, to let folks know that here we are. This is the last day of the year, uh, last show of this year, 2015, right? That's correct. And uh, it'd be a good time to call in. Say hi, if nothing else, if you don't have a big gardening problem. I, I expect the show might be a little slow today. Well, you know, I think everybody's yeah. lined up at Best Buy looking for deals. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. what they, I heard, anyway. I heard, uh, you know, the report on the way in that uh, the parking lots at various shopping malls are mm. really, you know, Full. filling up like crazy. Full already. And mm. all the so, roads around, the, making it very difficult to get past any of the shopping yep, malls. Yep. So avoid. Stay, the highways were great, though. Yeah, no. Hey, for traveling purposes, yeah. this has been a terrific winter. It sure has. It. Dry. It's However, for those who uh, like to strap on the skis and mm. such, not so good. But, Go west, young man. <clears throat> well, and, and the good news is with the colder temps now coming up, uh, by all means, they're going to be starting to make snow up in uh, ski country. Is that and, what you heard? Yes, I heard that. Uh, all sorts of places up there. So we'll try to get a firmer fix on that, and I'll let you know more a little bit later on, even this afternoon. Well, I think you're right, and I think we're going to end up talking a bit about the weather here on the show because the weather is really well, impacting our gardens and the animals and yeah. the fat squirrels. But do have you done the numbers? No. Okay, do that. I, I'm about to do that right I'll now. I'll stop here, talking and let you Here talk. I go. Okay. <laughs> so if you'd like to reach Charlie, by all means, uh, 416 Three six zero zero seven forty here in Toronto, and anywhere else in the province. Of course, it's toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. Our mantra is: call early, call often. One question per call. <laughs> and uh, oh yes, uh, if you are a first time caller, let Sebastian know the. Uh, Terrific young guy who mans the phones and all that stuff here. Okay, he staffs the phones. Yes. Oh, thank you. Staffs the phone, or woman's the phone. No, he's not a woman. He's just staffing. <laughs> he's a staff. Oh. <laughs> already, already, I'm in trouble, and I didn't even go there. You know. Uh, however, there you go. My 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 duties sort of complete. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. Now, you're getting tons of calls about. 
not well, here Well, let's, yeah, let, let's not go there yet. Let's instead, okay. do, should we do this? Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right, I'm just pulling out. Did you get the plant, the chew, Sierra Sil yes. makes special pet chews. I, I so did. So chewy pet uh, yummy treats that yeah. also contain magical Sierra Sil minerals. And how is Dickens liking the chews? They are too big. Oh. For Dickens. They're, they're basically, I dog think, for dogs. Chews. Dog chews. Oh. So my, uh, my uh, youngest son, Toby, and his wife, Katie, mm. have a wonderful uh, uh, dog upstairs. Uh-huh. And so Mouse, that's her name, <laughs> yeah. uh, will be chewing on those uh, pet chews. But the thing is, if you do have a dog, and, you know, as, as dogs get older, they get a little creaky, too, just like Steph. human beings. Yeah, yeah. The pet chews contain the same yep. stuff that, you know, we humans ingest to make us feel better and less creak-free. It's actually a naturally occurring hydrothermal mineral complex. Yeah. There it is. So, it, and it does work. It greases our joints, oils our joints, keeps us moving, and certainly for any of your pets. So you can't break them, eh? You can't make well, it smaller? No, I, and, and I have the word, too, that they're working on a new, uh, more chewable uh, pet chew coming up shortly. Oh, okay. So right. a, a new and improved oh, nice. pet chew on the way. All right. Okay. But for, in the meantime, works for people. <clears throat> Absolutely. And uh, and some people will actually just break open one yeah. of the little capsules and sprinkle that on the, the pet's food and find that the – and again, great uh, um, anecdotal information on the website. So sierrasill.com or give them a call, one joint 14 And how is it spelled, says Frank? Well, Frank answers. <laughs> S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And uh, Franklin Proctor, the uh, sous chef of the garden, along, of course, for the ride here. And <laughs> but do, you know, do the phone numbers again, because people might not realize that we actually are hurting for calls right now. Well, yeah, we're, and we love we're to hear, hurting for calls. Okay. No, we love to hear what's going on in your garden or, you know, in your indoor garden or your outdoor garden. Um, certainly, I'm going to give you an update on my Christmas. Uh, Me too. And I'll you be... too. Yep, and yep. then I'm going to tell you a bit what's going on in my garden, because I have been getting some panic-stricken emails from people on the subject of this warm weather. Okay. Phone numbers one more time here. 416-360-0740. And anywhere else in the uh, in the province. It's toll free. <clears throat> Pardon me. 1-866-740-4740. Okay. All right. Thank you. Uh, so Merry Christmas yesterday. Thank you. Yes. Uh, happy Christmaka, as my daughter would say, because we like to mix up our Christmas and our Hanukkah into a, a festive month of December. Um I was going to tell you about this monster turkey that we cooked yesterday at my house. That you you cooked? I myself yes. and my daughter put this all together. We well, actually congratulations, Sydney. Did yeah. a did a, a amazing job because it really wasn't our turn to host Christmas <laughs> at our house. It was my brother's turn and sister-in-law. So they had organized ordering this massive turkey because for whatever reason they wanted to cook a 24-pound turkey. <laughs> Anyway, my brother got very ill with the flu and, you know, was 
yeah. completely knocked out for the entire week. And so uh, my sister-in-law brought the turkey to our house and we hosted dinner last night. And uh, I'll tell you, it almost didn't fit in my oven. Like my oven Ooh. is just a regular sized oven. Yeah, yeah. It's, it was a big bird. It was like kind of hanging over the roasting pan and, you know, it was, but uh, yeah, it turned out really, really well. So it's lots of good stuffing and mashed potatoes and gravy and good vegetables. And yeah, we pulled it off. And then believe it or not, this entire dinner, because of course there's yeah. lots of leftovers, it, I'm picking it all up, putting it in my car and then taking it to my father's condo tonight to have another Christmas dinner oh, with man. my mom and dad at the condo. So, well, yeah. ain't that sweet. Yeah. Okay, I'll fill you in on what was going on with the Proctors in just a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. Meantime, though, we do have Carol on the line from oh, good. Little Britain, which is just south of Lindsay there. Mm-hmm. And uh, good morning and welcome to the show, Carol. Hi. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. I um, had a great Christmas, same as you guys. Good. And uh, I wanted to talk about my poor little poinsettia, mm, which has about six stalks. Uh, quite a few leaves. Mm-hmm. I had never put it in the dark or anything. It's sitting on the end of my table, but it just looks kind of pathetic. So is it a new one or one you've had for a few it's, years? I've had it for a year. I got it last Christmas. Okay. So is it green right now or what oh, color? Oh, yes. It's quite green. So it's like all green. Yeah. So if you wanted to get it to color up, you want some of those green leaves to turn either red or pink or whatever the mm-hmm. genetics is, you would need to do the dark uh, treatment. And, of course, the dark treatment is uh, 10 hours of complete darkness every 24 hours, so every day, mm-hmm. for uh, a, a number of weeks. I believe it's about eight weeks, 10 weeks that we just need to consistently – sometimes people will have a spare bedroom that they don't typically use, and they'll just leave the poinsettia in that bedroom so that when the sun is up, it's getting light, and when it's dark outside, mm-hmm. it's in the dark. And uh, and that will just naturally cause it to start to color up. Um, so that is something you can do, and we artificially will do it by sticking the poinsettia in a in a closet or something at night if you can remember to do it. But no light at all in order to get that coloration. Otherwise, it's a nice green plant. You know, treat yeah. it as a house plant. Yeah. Water as required. Fertilize in the mm-hmm. spring. Put it outside for the summer. I thought maybe if I put some fertilizer. Uh, on it now, mm-hmm. it would sort of perk up, but uh, I better wait till the spring, eh? Yeah, I know. We always we always think the fertilizer is going to perk things up, but the problem is, is that naturally, right now the days are still short, though they are getting longer, mm-hmm. which we mm-hmm. love. Um, but the short days, uh, the plants know that it's the downtime of year for them. So most of them are not actively growing. So we don't fertilize plants unless they're actively growing. So be careful to not overwater it because it's easy to do that at this time of year. Uh, but otherwise, I, I wouldn't worry if it looks a little bedraggled. It's just be careful. Like I said, don't overwater it. Keep a close eye. Uh, make sure there's no um, webbing on it or insects or anything like that. A little tray of pebbles below full of water keeps the humidity up and that can, can some Sometimes perk them up as well. Okay. Right. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for your call. Okay. Thank you, and all the very best of the new year coming up too. Okay, that's Carol. right. In uh, so uh, you just know, south of Lindsay, yeah, Little yeah, Britain. Little Britain. Uh, so, as I mentioned, I've been getting a lot of emails, including one from Li- um, Libby Zneimer, uh, who does the the news. She's the news director here at the yeah. at the station. Um, on the subject of things growing in our gardens. 
because all this mild weather and that really nice sunshine that was pouring into our yard. It's kick-started a lot of stuff. It has. You know, the bulbs are thinking it's time to grow, so they're poking little green leaves up through the soil. And, of course, um, at my house, I have a lot of uh, – it's a white annual flower, typically white. It's called alyssum or sweet alyssum Mm -hmm. uh, that – I've never planted at my house. Uh, it was there when I moved in and it seeds itself. So uh, the seeds usually sit there all winter and then they sprout in the spring and then I have alyssum come up as a Close ground candy. cover. Yeah, beneath my roses. It actually works really, really well. Well, believe it or not, the alyssum is germinating as we speak. There's a little green Ooh. alyssum coming up. So you know it's warm. So what are we going to do? How can we protect these plants? How can we, we sort of slow down this growth? Because mm-hmm. I think in our heart of hearts, we're all recognizing it's going to get cold sooner or later. I don't know. That's what we don't know. If it does get really cold mm-hmm. and we continue to have no snow, then anything that has started to sprout, whether it's those little tips of the bulbs or buds on the trees that have started to open, uh, they will get frosted mm-hmm. and they will die. Those buds will die. The plant won't necessarily die, but the the buds will die. But it could just stay like this all winter, right? See, if it stays around zero, Mm -hmm. you know, two below, two above kind of for the next two months, then we'll just have a very early spring. Things will just grow. Well, and, but what about the lack of snow? How will that affect things? That That's not always the greatest oh. thing because you don't have, you know. Well, the lack of snow, I mean, it, we're gonna, we will have precipitation one way or the other, whether it's in the form of rain or snow. Right, okay. Um, honestly, if it was really dry, if we suddenly, like the rain, there was no rain, because, you know, we were getting quite dry prior to that rain mm-hmm. we had last week. That actually helps things to slow them down, to put them into dormancy if they're very dry because they they shut down with lack of moisture. They're not shutting down because of cold temperature. Mm-hmm. And if it's dry, they'll shut down. So, you know, it's, it's one of those cost-effective – like you just don't know what, um, what's going to happen. It just kind of depends how the rest of this winter unfolds. In the meantime – if you have things starting to grow and it's worrying you and you're thinking, oh, I don't want them to grow, obviously you're not going to go out and start putting blankets around your magnolia trees. But you could loosely put soil over and around anything that's starting to sprout, like in the way of bulbs, oh. and hope that the temperature drops and stays dropped and that will slow things right down. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it gets really warm, then putting a little bit of soil is just going to uh, – won't make a difference. The plants will just grow right up through it. But uh, yeah, we can't, we can't really control that, that weather at all, can we? We'd like to. Looking forward here. Do you want me to sh- sure? There? No. Check so that yeah. So okay. looking forward at long-term forecasts. I mean, I'm looking two weeks into the future. Uh, you know, where are we? We're, we're still above zero. We're still showing rain, but we're hovering in the in the zero range. There's no kind of twenty below in there or ten below. So that's good, right? Yep. Two or three yep. below isn't going to kill anything. It's when it gets really cold that that things might die. And I hear you're going away. Well. That remains to be seen. I'll have to hold on that for, yeah. for a minute. Yeah. Okay. Uh, until I can check everything out. Uh, right. I was I was given a gift. Uh-huh. Uh, a wonderful gift, actually. Oh, I can say what it is. What the yeah, heck? Why well, not? Yeah, why not? Yeah. I haven't even spoke to it. Neil Headley was on the way in. Uh, Our program director, and congratulations our, on yeah, that yeah, appointment, exactly. Neil. One of the best guys I've ever worked with in, in the, this radio business. Nice. And uh, he has been... Assistant uh, program director for a, uh, quite a, a long while mm-hmm. since coming to the station, and, and as well as doing the morning show, 
and uh, just announced last week that uh, he uh, ha- has gained that position of mm-hmm. program director. Good. Still continuing, of course, to do uh, the Happy Gang mm-hmm. show in the morning, et cetera, He's et cetera. A busy guy. So I got to have a talk with him because <laughs> it was it was really funny. Um, I was over to my youngest son Toby's mm-hmm. on on Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. and he said, "Dad, you got to." A call coming in at ten o'clock, but I can't tell you who it is. Mm. Well, now, isn't it? All right, all right. So I had to stay, and I was tired. Oh. I was ready to go to bed because yeah. it had been busy. And uh, so, okay, I hung in there, and uh, sure enough, uh, I get a call from Bruce Dean, who mm-hmm. happens to be my agent mm-hmm. and really good friend. And uh, Toby, at the same time, is skyping me to Shirley, my uh. lady, uh, up in farm country there. Mm-hmm. And what he did was he bought me. Uh, tickets both for Shirley and I oh. to go to Florida oh, nice. for a week. A week, good. And and so, uh, <laughs> and uh, I guess messages didn't get to the proper story. There was such a collective between yeah. my two sons, yeah. Bruce and Shirley, nice. that no one thought to call Neil and say, "Gee, uh, we Is better arrange okay? for some time off here." <laughs> so I'll have to do that as soon as he gets in. If he's driving in right now, he probably just ran into a telephone pole. <clears throat> That's right. Oh well, no. Lord, no! That guy causes me more problems. That's right. We can't run the station. No. Frank, well, he can't yeah, go exactly. anywhere. That's impossible. No. So anyway, impossible. that's 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 in the offing, and uh, I'm and, sure that's and that'll be about. for early January. Yeah, the plan. yeah, just for a week. It's not a, a huge thing, but it's it. Well, it is huge in a sense, you know. Well, and it's great because it's a nice change of oh, pace, change and, pace. You betcha. and change of environment, yeah. and it's a funny winter to go away because yeah. it is so mild. Yeah, right. Like my daughter's heading off to Israel on uh, the 28th, uh, day after tomorrow, I guess, and. Um, <clears throat> She's been thinking, you know, horrible cold winter, I'll go to Israel, it'll be nice and warm. Yeah, yeah. So now, of course, she's looking at Tel Aviv weather, and it's so oh, similar to what yeah. we're having. She's going, I'm going an awful long ways to be in the same kind of almost, almost same yeah, weather yeah. as we're having here. It's a little warmer there and certainly sunnier and drier. So anyway, she's going to have fun. Hey, we've got uh, calls coming in. Matter of fact, we do have to uh, go to a little bit of a break here, and we'll be back to talk to Hazel and Peter and the rest of the folks calling in to say hi to Charlie on this our last show of 2015. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And here we are uh, on the line, ready to say hi to Hazel in Mississauga. Good day, Hazel. Good morning. How are you? Great. How are you? Um, I'm well, thank you. Uh, My question is regarding miniature roses. Mm -hmm. I go to the supermarket or somebody gives me a... A miniature rose, they look really good. I bring them home and they die. What can I do to keep them alive indoors? Okay, so tell me, do you have a nice sunny window, preferably facing south or west? Yes. Okay, when you bring home a miniature rose, that's where you're going to put it. It is on the windowsill, right in the sunny, bright, direct sun window, if you can do that. I did that and... um they, I thought maybe too much sun, so I, I or, well, you know, we're not getting that much now, but I moved it because they were dying and they're still drying up. I did have one and I, um, I put it out in the garden and it's been going for a couple of years, mm-hmm. but indoors I never seem to be able to keep them. Well, 
sometimes it depends how they were born, like how they were raised, the greenhouse that they're coming from. Right. Generally speaking, in your house, you want to you want to mimic the conditions that roses love. So they love heat, they love sun, they like to be watered thoroughly when they're watered, but they like to pretty much dry down, almost completely dry between waterings. Uh, they do not like a lot of humidity, so you're not going to do a lot of misting or spritzing. Um, you're going to keep an eye on them for bugs because there are some insects that love miniature roses. Uh, one is spider mites, and spider mites, of course, you'll never see the spider mites. They're so tiny, but you will see webbing on the plant, and that will be a good indication that you may have spider mites. Right. Um, when you get them, usually they're flowering, so you could certainly mix up some fertilizer with your water, uh, half-strength fertilizer with water when you're watering, uh, just to encourage the flowers to keep bloom, you know, keep forming and keep blooming, uh, even in the middle of winter. Because if you get it in the middle of winter, it's come from a greenhouse where it's been in optimal conditions, including right. fertilizer. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're absolutely right. Getting them outside is one of the best things you can do in the spring because they're always much happier outside. Actually, I planted it in the garden. Uh-huh. It's been going now for about yeah. three years. Well, some of the mini roses are quite hardy and they will survive. And I mm-hmm. same thing. I've got a, a miniature rose that I've had in my garden for probably 15 20 years. So the, some of them are, are very, very good that way. Others, the varieties are not super hardy and they will not survive the winter. But again, full sun in the garden and sometimes like you, you experience them to come back year after year. So lovely little plants and uh, really cheerful. So do what you can to keep them al- alive. But it's a bright sun will make a real difference. Is there any hope for the one I have now where the leaves are are all drying up and the flowers are dying? Well, what I would do with the one you have now is anything that's um, curling or drying or falling off, clean that right out of the pot, get that right out into the compost. You don't want to ever have any debris, excuse me, in the pot uh, because of the whole fungal disease issue. So clean up all that, get out your little scissors and cut the plant back. Um, How tall is it right now? Oh, maybe... Three inches. Yeah. So what you're going to do is uh, cut, cut it back to um, down to about an inch and a half to two inches tall. And if you look at the stems of the rose, there are some little bumps along the stem, and those are that you're going to cut to just above a bump. Okay. <clears throat> and new growth should come. Okay. I'll believe it or that. not, and be careful. Don't overwater. Feel the soil before you water. Okay, great. Okay. <laughs> Thanks very much. You're welcome. Thank Thanks you, Hazel, call. very much. All righty. Hey, Peter in Eris, Ontario. Welcome to the show. Good morning to, to both of you. Good morning. Thank you. Uh, in all the years we've been listening to you, I hear you say every summer, fertilize once a week, fertilize once a month, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Our tropical plants that we put outside, we fertilize every day. Uh-huh. And... The, the plants and the flowers we get are unbelievable. <laughs> and I've never, ever heard you say, why don't you do it every day? And, for instance, begonias, we would buy, they're barely a foot high. Mm-hmm. By the end of the summer, they're three or four feet tall, <laughs> covered with flowers. I, I believe it. And people say, wow, where'd you get this? 
we've never seen anything like this. <laughs> I have birds of paradise plants. Mm, nice. They're 12 feet tall. Yes, and they'll get even taller. Yeah. So, okay, so why wouldn't I recommend that other people do what you do? Because, a couple reasons. One is, obviously, you're reaping the benefit of incredibly bountiful blooms and huge plants. For many people, though, it would be more than they can handle. Uh, it would be like, what What does the average person do with a 12-foot bird of paradise? You have obviously a, a solarium or someplace where you can put these plants in oh, the yeah. winter yeah, yeah. Uh, that's obviously got big high ceilings, et cetera. So, and, and actually the fertilizing daily that you're doing – would suggest that you're also watering daily. Yes, yes. And the out, outdoors type. Yes. Right. And, and t- quite often our plants don't need to be watered daily, though we, you know, recognizing that if the water can drain through and the plants yep. aren't sitting in water, yep. daily watering is exactly what happens in the greenhouses, sometimes yep. more than, than daily watering. Yes, yes, yes. And typically they are fertilized every time they're watered. Yep. So what you're doing is you're mimicking what the growers do, and they do it for the purposes of selling the plants, so yep. for commercial production. We do it so that we can enjoy them. That's right. But, I mean, four, three to four foot tall begonias, you're probably having to stake them because those flowers make them top heavy and then yeah. they want to fall over. Yeah. So, you know, what you're doing is, like I said, you're reaping the benefits of a lot of beauty, but you're also making a lot of work for yourself True. by having to do the staking and, and the watering and the fertilizing and all that ongoing. So we can't, sometimes we joke and call them plants on steroids when they're that, <laughs> that bountifully, you know, big. The other thing is that the kind of growth you're getting would be um, what we would call very soft growth or tender growth because your plants are almost growing before your very eyes when you're right, when right. you're you know sort of putting that much moisture and, and fertilizer their way, and that can be very susceptible to things like aphids. So again, you, you're always keeping track. You're obviously out in your garden often. You're checking your plants. You're inspecting for any kind of issues with aphids, and you're staying on top of it and and annihilating them if they happen to show up. For many people, they wouldn't be able to do that. They wouldn't be able, they'd get those plants on steroids, then those plants might get infested with an insect and they might miss it. And then all of a sudden everything collapses on them. So yeah, I mean, obviously what you're doing, sounds like you're having fun and you've probably got some great photos of your gardens and uh, you should be hosting wedding receptions or something in your garden. (laughs) You could make some money. Yeah. (laughs) No, but it's beautiful. If you can do that, I mean, if you can maintain those kinds of gardens, then why not, you know, share it with people, charge them an, an entry fee or something. Do you belong? Do you have um, a hort society in Eras? Pardon me? Do you have a horticultural society? Oh, no, no. It's, uh, you know, 20 houses and a store. You no, know. I know. So what's the nearest... I mean, actually a little in the country. Town. What's your nearest bigger town? Guelph. Oh, okay. So yeah. do you belong to the Guelph? No, no, no. No? No. no. Just... I'm going to be in Guelph, actually. I think it's in February for the, uh, speaking at the Master Gardener's event. Huh. Um, and that, you know, something, you sound like you're a pretty keen gardener. That's something that you My might wife be more so yet. interested I, in uh, pursuing. I, I enjoy them because I also have uh, a large building where I have tropical birds, and of course they oh, enjoy yes. that. Uh, flying through there and living there and so I bet and and do some of those tropical plants go in with the with the birds I can bring them in yes in the winter time nice yeah bring them in and uh, the birds enjoy that nice sounds lovely got a nature preserve at your place kind of cool I'm coming to visit 
They got my number. <laughs> exactly. All right. Thanks for calling. And yeah, you brought you bring up a very good question, and and that I don't recommend people do this because I just feel that so many people couldn't do the maintenance you're doing. So good for you. Congratulations. Okay. Right. Yeah, we we have a call actually uh, coming in from Ripley, New York. Oh, yes, we do. Uh, so since they uh, the, the folks there, uh, Sam in particular, would be dropping his own nickel on this one, let's <laughs> take his call next. Okay. So good morning, Sam. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Morning. Merry Christmas. And you too. And you too. <laughs> thank, thank you. <laughs> What's going on at your place? Well, I have some. Uh, we had some dwarf boxwoods that we planted five years ago. Mm-hmm. They never matured, never grew, but they were healthy. Last winter, pretty much mm-hmm. wiped them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, did a lot of damage to them, so we replaced them with some more dwarf boxwoods. Mm-hmm. And my two questions are, uh, should I be testing my soil because the other ones didn't mature, even though they stay healthy, and should I cover them this winter? Hmm. Okay, good questions. Um when you say they didn't mature, you mean they just didn't grow much? They stayed the same? Yes. They, they were supposedly, uh, they were supposed to go three feet by three feet mm-hmm. uh, at maturity. Mm-hmm. And uh, they might have grown a few, each one, maybe three or four inches. And, they, they, and we planted eight of them. Mm. And they, they all stayed about the same size, and they never, <laughs> never got past that point. Hmm. And you're referring to yeah, and you're referring to them as dwarf boxwoods. Did they specifically have the name dwarf boxwood on their tag and uh, their name tags? Yes, yes, Hmm. and they did. They said dwarf boxwood. So, and I do have a tag here, but I I can't find it. Okay, because any like dwarf plants usually are they've sometimes been most generally selected because they grow so slowly and they stay small because of their slow growth. Dwarfing also can be plants that reach maturity at a smaller size. A good example would be a regular standard apple tree versus a dwarf apple tree. So a regular standard apple tree gets, it's a good 10 years old before it flowers and fruits. And by that time, it's also, you know, 10 or 15. 15 feet tall versus a dwarf apple tree, which will flower and fruit when it's only like two years old and it's only four feet tall. So, um, so dwarfing often means that plants mature at a younger age and, and literally will flower, et cetera, at a smaller size. Uh, so boxwoods, of course, don't flower. That's why I was kind of, there's no real maturity. There's nothing to really judge them in terms of maturity. But they will certainly grow slower. Okay. So if you're wanting that optimal size of three feet by three feet, I would avoid buying dwarf plants. I would just buy regular boxwood, you know, Buxus microphylla, it's called. It just means small-leafed boxwood. And then you, you prune them to the size and shape you want, whether it's a little hedge or little globes or whatever. So you have bought, you have planted. A soil test is never a bad idea. You know, all of us can learn about our soil by doing soil tests. Here in Canada, we'll take our soil and send it to an accredited lab run by the Ontario Ministry of Agriculture and Food. I'm not as familiar with the the services that are available in the states, though there's lots of good extension agriculture uh, in, obviously, in the United States through many of the universities. Uh, In your area, 
Yeah, I'm not positive. I'd have to look up what you know where you would send soil for a, for a soil test. But like I said, we can all learn a lot from soil tests. Not a bad idea. And in, when you send in soil for a test, you you indicate on the uh, form that you fill out what it is you're trying to grow, and the test comes back giving you recommendations on things you might want to modify for a optimal, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. optimal mm-hmm. growth. Uh, and the covering question is: What direction is, are the boxwood facing in terms of north and south and eastern? West. Uh, they are uh, the front of our home faces the south, and they are uh, vertical with the, um, the front of our house. So I guess they're facing north south. North south. Yeah, but yes, yeah, so exactly. So what happens? At, and this happened to a lot of the broadleafed evergreens last winter, uh, is the sun beats down in January, February, March. The ground was still frozen, and the sun and the wind caused the evergreens to dry up, dry up, dry out. We call it desiccation when plants can't get moisture through their roots because of the frozen soil, uh, but are losing moisture through their leaves because of the sun and the wind. This year, of course, we don't have frozen soil. So this year we have no, no bad things happening around desiccation uh, and unlikely to happen unless we get some really, really cold temperatures. And so far the forecasts are looking pretty mild in your area as well as ours. Yeah. Uh, if you were going to cover them, like if you got concerned that suddenly you know, a big dump of snow was coming, for example, okay. then it would just be um, – I would use some stakes in the ground and some burlap around the stakes and you're going to use – burlap to shield the plants from that sun we were talking about or that wind or even salt can be a real problem if you're near a road and the salt is going to get sprayed up from cars. So, you know, sometimes we, we protect from that as well. Um, and, and then, but, but try, try and avoid that tight wrapping because you can do more damage than, than, than good if you tightly wrap your evergreens. Okay. So I, um, I understand that, uh, as far as do I completely cover them with burlap or do I leave some on the top for, for like air or light? Yeah, you leave the top open. You would okay. leave the top open. And then, like I said, if there's a big dump of snow, would you, if you have any leaves available, I would throw leaves in on top. Uh, otherwise, I would just just do the burlap and leave it open. Yeah, because you need to have that air and, uh, and temperature exchange happening. So don't okay, close great. the top. Okay. Okay. Thank you for okay. joining us from Ripley, New York. Yeah, Sam. thanks, Sam. All the very best in the new year as well. And we have to take a little bit of a break right here at uh, 943, The Garden Show, from Zoomer Radio with Charlie Dobbin, back in a moment. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor, saying good morning to one of our listeners in Etobicoke. That would be Mary Ann. Hi, Mary Ann. Hi there. Good morning. Just a fast one, Charlie, and I'm sure you know this. A tip for the miniature roses or any of the plants we get at Christmas. Take that foil covering off them. Good point. Yep. That's the thing, and that with my miniature roses, I found once I did that, that helped, and every one of them survived. Mm-hmm. Sometimes barely, but they did survive till the spring and then picked up in the garden. That's a really good tip, because you're right. So often they come wrapped in, whether it's plastic or foil, or it's just that pot cover, and that can really trap an awful lot of unnecessary moisture and debris and all kinds of silliness. Absolutely. Thanks, good. and have a happy new year. And thanks so much for calling. Hey, happy always, new year to you, too. Always glad to get... Uh, 
a tip from and I our hope listeners. Hazel caught that as well because so Hazel, if you've still got that miniature rose in its pot cover or its fancy wrapping, get get that off of there. Get it out of there. <laughs> All righty. Mona in Brampton with us this morning, too. Charlie, hey, Mona, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Happy New Year. Thank you, you too. Thank you. Um, a question I've had for a long time is, um, you know, when you buy cush fre- fresh fla- cut fresh mm-hmm. flowers from the grocery store, mm-hmm. and it comes with a little packet of food, mm-hmm. how much food do you put in, in, in the vase when you first put the flowers in water in a vase? Do you use the whole packet? Or? Yeah, usually I'll use the whole package. And um, those packages are designed for a, to go, <clears throat> excuse me, about one to two liters of water. So, you you know, generally speaking, we are putting that kind of a, um, water into our vases. So just toss the whole package in there. Okay. The, t- the things I've learned about fresh cut flowers uh, that really made a difference for me in terms of the longevity of the freshness and the cut flowers is, number one, make sure your vases are pristine clean. Okay. I've been told by professional florists that your vases should be something that you yourself would drink out of. Okay. So they're that clean. And so run them through the dishwasher. Possibly. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So because the the fresh cut flowers will last so much longer if they're pristine, clean vases to start with, and where possible, use uh, room temperature water when you fill up. So nothing too cold, nothing too hot, and get that that whole package of. It's a cut flower. It's a flower preservative. It's actually sugar based. It just provides a little bit of carbohydrate and helps the plants live a little longer. Okay, then how often would you change the water? Technically, you're supposed to change the water every couple of days and then, of course, have more of that stuff on hand. And if you do, then use it. If you don't, so it goes. Uh, and recut your cut flowers at that time yeah. uh, will often make a difference as well in terms of uh, prolonging their, their life on your um, in your home. Oh, okay. Well, where would you buy? Like, <clears throat> you only get one package per... Per, uh, per bouquet. Yeah. So can you buy the, Can you buy that stuff? You anyway? used, way, way back, 100 years ago, I worked <laughs> at White Rose Nurseries, and we used to sell it in okay. quantity. So it should be out there somewhere. Like if you tried a good, uh, a good garden center in your yeah. neighborhood, just ask them if they sell cut flower preservative. Oh, okay. Actually, at this time of year, they're also selling Christmas tree, you know, preservative. Oh, right, it's the yeah. same stuff. Mm. Exact same stuff. So if you can get Christmas tree preservative, you can use that on your flowers. Okay. Okay, thanks so much. You're very welcome. All the very best, and thank you for joining us here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Uh, We'll be along to talk to Ken and Marie in just a moment. Um, Coming up at the end of the uh, year, 2015, how about New Year's resolutions? The one I'm thinking of is, there you are out there in Radio Land, listening in to Charlie and Frank, saying, they keep talking about this Sierra Sill. Maybe in 2016, (laughs) I'm going to make... Uh, a concerted Res- effort to get on board mm. and do that. Yeah. Just a passing thought. Okay. okay. All right. I like it. Now, okay, we, we will take a little bit of a, a break here and then come back and say hi to Ken in Hamilton and Marie in Orchard Park. Mm. Well, we're getting folks from all over the place. Here we go. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Uh, let's take a little trip south of the border here to Orchard Again. Park, New York. Yeah, w- nice. welcome to Marie joining Charlie Dobbin on Zoomer Radio. Hi, Marie. Hi, um, Merry Christmas. I know a little bit late and a Happy New Year to you both. Thank and your you. 
Um, while cleaning my garage the other day, I came across uh, a packet of crocus bulbs that I completely forgot about. <laughs> You're not the first person <laughs> that's happened to. And they're sprouting. What do I do with them now? Well, okay, so your ground, similar to ours, is probably right. not frozen. Right. Strangely enough, you could plant them now outside. Very strange. Normally, we can never dig at this time of year in our <laughs> gardens. Now, I understand they're sprouting, but you could still put them in the ground. I would go down at least four or five inches with them, even six inches, get them down deep enough, and they will come up in the spring. So the- that they don't heave if I put them in too shallow. That's right. Yeah, you okay. don't exactly. Plus, you don't want to, them to keep growing. You want to get them down in the dark and you want them to go back to sleep. The oh, okay. other option is you could pot them up with potting soil into some pots. Uh-huh. And you would then still, okay, it's been out in your garage. And in your garage, is it um, insulated or does your, your garage it, get fairly cool? It's cold. It's cool. Yeah, you see, you could pot them up and enjoy them in the house ah. as little flowering plants. Uh, assuming they've been out in your garage for at least eight or ten weeks. They have been, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> they would flower now in pots oh. in your house. You would, in this case, take them in and, of course, encourage this growth as opposed to trying to put them back to sleep. Okay. Put it, Planting them outside is to put them back to sleep. Potting right. them up is to bring them in and allow them to grow. Enjoy them inside the house. Allow the green leaves to continue to be green leaves for a number of weeks after they flowered. Then out into the garden next spring or summer so that they will come up again the following spring 2017 in your garden. Well, that's great. Yeah, you can't keep them as a flowering plant. They will not continue right. to flower year after year in a pot. But they will certainly do it once. So then I would water them from the bottom if yes. I put them in pots? Yeah, yeah, and just make sure it's a well-drained soil. You could okay. water from the top, but don't let the, the soil be soggy. Don't let the plants sit in water. So well-drained soil uh, and just water as required. Terrific. In pots. Thank you so very much. Oh, you're hey, so happy very welcome. Too. Thanks so much for calling. <laughs> happy New Year. You too. All righty. <laughs> Bye-bye now. Off to Hamilton Mountain we go. Well, maybe. We'll yeah, yeah. Find out In your brain, we're going. It, yes. We're going up the mountain. Okay. Up the mountain to Ken. All right. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Good morning. Ken. Are you up in the mountain there? We are up the mountain. There, well, there you go. go. <laughs> Happy New Year. <laughs> uh, yesterday, I was gifted uh, what is I'm told, and it looks like uh, when I look at it on the internet, a Norwood pine. Norfolk. It, okay, Norfolk. Yeah, yeah Norfolk it, Island it pine. It's a clump. Mm-hmm. Has about five stalks. Mm-hmm. About fifteen inches tall in a six-inch plastic pot right now okay. how big will it get because i'll put it outside in the spring and i don't know what location would be best for it so there's no name on the tag like sorry no. there's no tag on it it's ta- tagless it's tagless but it's green it's a dark green plant it was soft needles it's soft needles, short soft needles yes if it's what i think it is so you have access to the internet Yes. So look up on the internet, Norfolk Island Pine, which is what I think it is. It is a tropical plant. So even though it looks like a little evergreen and it's, you know, potentially a hardy little plant, it's not. Uh What that means is it could certainly enjoy being outside in the summer, but you would have to bring it in, and I would recommend bringing it in, no later than the beginning of September. So it's an indoor plant for the winter, if I'm correct. 
I think you probably are, okay. and I won't waste my time trying to watch it grow outside. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but do enjoy it inside. They, they will certainly grow inside. I'm going to have to remove some of my Christmas cactus to make room for it. <laughs> <laughs> good luck with that. There you go. Well, have that's nice. Day. And keep it humid. That plant loves humidity. So right. misting or pebble tray below. Thank you very much, Jay. Thanks Dan. for calling. And Dan. I'm delighted that we can get to John because he is a first-time caller. Oh. Coming nice. in from Penetang. Hey, good morning, John. Good morning. How are you? Good. Very well. How are you? Good. Good. Um, I have uh, two pear trees, mm-hmm. and they're about uh, oh, about seven feet high, mm-hmm. and they're about nine feet apart. Mm-hmm. Now, every time I try to prune them, uh, I get these hundreds of shoots going straight up. Mm-hmm. Well, how can I stop that? Okay, so when are you trying to do this uh, pruning? I've tried to prune them in the spring. I've tried to sp- prune them in the fall, and they still come back. Okay. Interesting question. Fruit trees are, uh, there's an art to pruning fruit trees, all fruit trees, and they are not all pruned the same. The only thing that we do the same with any of the fruits is we prune them in the late winter, very early spring. So they're completely dormant. We can see exactly what we're doing. There's no leaves in the way. Uh, it's a dry day. Uh, it could be, you know, a snowy day, but it's dry in the sense that it's, it's the sun is shining. And the wounding that we're going to do with our pruning, uh, those cuts and wounds will dry and heal much faster on a, on a sunny day than not. So the, how, what do we prune to, and particularly to avoid pears? Remember though, pears aren't like apples. Like apples, we prune them to be very wide spreading and low branching, almost horizontal branching. Whereas a pear naturally does grow as a much more vertical and upright plant. So it's not something that you can easily prune to make it look like an apple. It never will. It'll never grow like that. But those very those shoots that shoot straight up that are non-flowering, non-fruiting, often referred to as water spouts, uh, do need to be removed when they grow. But our pruning should avoid those happening, and you obviously recognize that. So it's hard. Like I said, it's hard for me. To, the, the main thing you're going to always do when you're doing any pruning is you're removing anything that's clearly dead anything that's clearly diseased, and anything that's clearly damaged. So any branches that are rubbing together that might be damaging each other, one of those will be taken, you know, taken off. Um, and the fact that they're only seven feet tall is great because that they're still fairly young, obviously, and easily accessible. They're not too big. But I would really recommend, like it's really hard to say on the radio how to prune a pear. Uh, yeah. Best thing to do is uh, access either through the internet or through your local library. Just there's excellent books on how to prune and just the, the shape that you want the plant to be pruned to in order to grow in the right direction over the long term. Well, I, I have done all that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've gone on the internet and I've uh, prune where the branches, as you say, are yeah. touching, and I wanted some air to go through. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And they're about eight years old. Yeah, okay. The trees themselves. That's a that's an excellent age to be doing, you know, proper pruning for sure. Right. But the first uh, mm. about two years, three years, I got a lot of pears. In the last couple of years, I haven't got anything. Wow. So I've got the flowers. Now, it could, is it possible, I mean, given that you're in Penetang, is it possible that there's been some late frosts that have done damage to any of the flowers? 
Um, I checked that out, and no, there haven't. Okay, so I'm being told that we're out of out of time on the show. But yep. uh, John, leave it with me, and I'll see if I can come up with some tips for next show on pruning pears. Okay. All right. All right. Thanks so much for your call, oh, and happy thank you. New Year. Thank you for joining us from Penetang and uh, to all our callers. A big yeah, thank you. I'm so happy that not everybody was out shopping. Yeah. And in <laughs> advance, Happy New Year to everybody. That's right. So I hope Christmas was good and New Year's is even better. And, uh, yeah, Happy New Year's to everybody. And we'll see you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.